0: Sexities externally repaired, nocturnally prepared, longer voyage over ice road. Watch me transform, form, dagger, mouth, tonight knife throat. Life boats are capsized, northern star polarized, mouth move. Where children that you spit on become greatness. I'm antisocial, misplaced aggression. I'm not your trophy. Love brings obsession.
1: Yesterday
0: Yeah, but anyhow, well, what, what are some Christmas hip-hop songs I failed to mention?
1: Well, um, I can't remember the actual artist, but uh, this one rapper from Boston did a duet with Big D.
0: Yeah, I know that. Well, that's just a cover of uh, Christmas in the Hollis. Yeah.
1: That's all I was going to say. But also... Um,
0: oh, okay.
1: <laughs> um, Jeez. Well, Big D also did the Christmas in Alston, which is uh, like a variation of Christmas in Hollis, but they did their version.
0: Yeah, that's what I was talking about.
1: Yeah. No, no. Well, there's that, but then oh, there's, there's also... there's another yeah, version? they have two different ones. One with that has an actual hip-hop guy and one that's like more of a rock version. But... Oh, my water's over there so far.
0: Well, even though they're from a land that gets a lot of nice, beautiful powder at Christmas, Soul and Members does not have a Christmas song to their name. No. But uh, I will say, because we divvied it up, basically based on what most like casual fans are doing their music of, we did last week. Yeah. Now we're getting into the nitty gritty. Their story is very pack heavy. <laughs> and we're going to be getting into what I actually feel is some of their best work. And this kind of episode of uh, Canada FM is sort of why we do it—to try to uncover uh, some of the hidden gems. You're gonna get a lot of those going forward uh, on this episode. I had some big treats ahead. I felt, <laughs> and um, what's it called? Uh, yeah, some uh, at least one of these albums. I feel along with Balance could be one of their best albums. But we'll eventually get to that. We're going to start with their fifth album, Black Magic, which was released on September 12, 2006. Mad Child served as executive producer along with Marcello de Coitiz. Now, I always like to Google the producer. Hmm. Just again, it's, it's, it's free talking points, right? right? <laughs> Not much on this guy, except for his family. He and his family owned a successful Vancouver-based architecture firm, and he was close friends with Madchild growing up, this guy, uh, Marcello DeCortis. Now, the DeCortis family does hold a long-standing feud with the Hells Angels, and Madchild has been an associate of the gang for a very long time. In fact, his affiliation with the Hells Angels would get the swollen members dropped by network management. And Hells and Angels members still to this day continue to appear at both their shows and in their music videos. Now Matt Child insists his affiliation with the Hells Angels is no more than he's close friends with one member. Yeah, I've heard him say that in he,
1: interviews. He's like, I got friends from all walks of life. That doesn't mean I'm in a gang. Yeah. He's like, I'm in one he gang. He's all full of members gang. That's what he says. <laughs>
0: To be fair, that's a pretty safe gang to join, because there's only really three members. Yeah. If Mocha feels like going on tour with them, there's four. Yeah. Um, he's like, Mocha's like Jerobi in yeah. uh, Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. Just shows up when he feels or like. Or pretty it. much
1: anyone in uh, Wu-Tang. Just waltzing in and yeah, out. There you go.
0: Yeah. Um, but also, Matt Child insists that motorcycles aren't his thing. Apparently, he bought one and did not enjoy it at all. So... <laughs> You're kind of left out of the Hells Angels if you're not into motorcycles. Uh, However, his association uh, with the group would actually see him uh, banned from entering the U.S., an issue that he says was resolved in 2013. But it is an issue that uh, kept the swollen members from really spreading their name in the late uh, aughts and early 2010s.
1: Yeah, because, like, when... The world was kind of transitioning from physical media to digital and you know the, the possibility to spread their wings you know people all over could be like oh these swollen member guys great I'd love to see them
0: well you gotta come up to Vancouver <laughs> which you know we, they had the Olympics what was that 2011 2010 2010 yeah 2010 Olympics so that would have fallen right in the line of his band yeah. so the world came to him that's true <laughs> Well, a lot of guests appear on Black Magic, and that's a, a theme with the Swollen members. Uh, Mocha only, despite leaving the group, uh, did lend his voice to the tracks Grind and Put Me On. Yes. Everlast returns from this one, as well as the boys from Dilated Peoples, who are scattered throughout their first four releases. But the biggest get for the members was Ghostface Killer of the Wu-Tang Clan, who appears on the track Wait? Yeah, yo, I yo my cocaine, whited in Colgate. And when Christ come, I'm gonna go relocate. Finish off the dimes, big slabs of crack, right in my gangster's will. Bury me at the plate. It's and- a good get for the swollen members. Yeah. Maybe their biggest hip-hop get... I know we talked about Everlast being a big one because he, he showed up like right during Whitey Ford sings the blues when he was at the height of solo fame, right. but I think uh, Ghostface, and as far as hip-hop credibility goes, trumps that.
1: Oh, yeah, because Wu-Tang has been influential to so many people across the globe, and Wu-Tang is for the children, after all. Yeah, uh for the children. And so, yeah, it's... if. If he goes down to New York, Ghostface, and is like promoting, he's like, Yeah, I did this this track with swollen members, there's a great band up in Canada. Like that right there. Could even if it just spread to the five boroughs, that's enough uh, you know, free press that it can yeah.
0: hold weight. Well, you look at all those Wu-Tang guys, you know. Let's see if I can name them all off the top of my head. you right. have to help me out, okay? All right, because you're more this. So ODB, I think he's dead by this point. E... Uh, 2006, maybe not. No, you're still alive. I think he, you're still he died
1: alive, in so... the 2010s at some point, I think. Okay.
0: So you got ODB, you got Ghostface, you got the RZA, you got the Jizza, you got Method Man. You've got, uh, oh, was it Raekwon? Yep. Uh, how many am I missing? I got six. Uh, Cappadonna. Capadonna. was he a full blown member? Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, you forgot you god inspect the deck. I always forget you god. <laughs> and uh, master killer. And master killer. Okay. But he might have been. I can't remember. He might have been a late ad because I don't remember him. But I could be six out of nine eight. Yeah.
0: Bad. But you, actually, one more. Okay. You also,
1: named the most famous ones. The easy. The, it's like.
0: Well, yeah. I've only got one album. That's fair. Actually, no, that's not fair. That's not true. I've I've got uh, "Built for Cuban Links" by Kwan. That's a great have album. Have that album too. It's good. I liked it. I like uh, I like the Thirty Six Chambers better. Yeah, obviously. But well, I'm not gonna. It's It's hard to compare them, but that's like I saying did like I like, I like I the
1: Killers versus I like uh, Brandon Flowers solo stuff. I'm sure it's good, but it's not better than the Killers.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, what was I gonna say about? Oh, I had a Wu Tang story. I wanted to put out. So actually Talib Kweli has a uh, podcast. And uh, what's interesting is you expect. Isn't it, what's funny isn't is too. a podcast too- he does with Dave and Mos Def? No, this is just him. Oh, okay. this is maybe it's a new one. It's actually called The People's Party. So when you type <laughs> it in, sometimes the YouTube algorithm gives you all kinds of Maxine Bernier shit. That's hilarious. That you don't want showing up on your algorithm at work. Um, but uh, what's it called? What's cool about Talib Quilly's podcast is he doesn't just interview people from the hip-hop world. Right. Like he's had Bob Saget on his show. He, he interviews everybody. And um, he interviewed Tom Morello. And Tom Morello told the story about Old Dirty Bastard, where Rage went on tour with uh, Wu-Tang. And he he said ODB was at two shows for the whole tour. He only showed up at two. Of course. And one of them was in Atlanta. And he's in the trailer getting ready. Wu-Tang's on first. And it's an outdoor show. And he said, basically, the only place there was, you enter... Crowd of people, stage. Right. Like, that was it. They had trailers, like, at the side that were, like, close to everything. That's cool. So he's getting ready for the show. And old dirty bastard walks up to his trailer. He's just standing outside. He goes, hey, man, I'm Tom. He goes, hey, man. He goes, where's the show? <laughs> and like, Wu-Tang is on stage right <laughs> in front of all. And he goes, um... Right over there where the stage is. He goes, oh, thanks, man. And proceeds to walk in the opposite direction where <laughs> he pointed and just into the night. And that was Tom Morello's old dirty bastard story. That's a great story. <laughs> it's very old dirty bastard dish yeah. isn't it?
1: I mean, isn't he the yeah. same guy who showed up in a limo to the social services office to
0: pick up a welfare check? Oh, that's him. Yeah, That's him. He brought a camera to show it on MTV to show him do it. He was very proud of that.
1: That's so weird.
0: Yeah, good old O.D.V. Well, uh, another interesting fact, tra- uh, fact about the track Wait, which is what Ghostface Killer appeared on, is that it's produced by an L.A. based rapper named The Alchemist. Now, he's making big bank right now, The Alchemist, because he's currently Eminem's DJ. Yeah. So he's doing pretty well for himself on tour. But The Alchemist would get his start in a group known as The Hooligans... Which featured Scott Kahn as one of their MCs. That's hilarious! Yeah, you know what his rap name was? Oh God! What? It's gonna give you the douche chills. Mad skills with a sad. Uh, I was gonna say it. Had to have you
1: What a s- douche. <laughs>
0: Sense because let's face it, whenever Scott con's in a movie, he's always playing a douche. Like, it's very yeah. rare that he's like, Ah, I, that character's very relatable. I really Can like
1: you imagine? That guy. <laughs> you know if, Imagine if he has this like career change where all he does is Stalin, like, star in Hallmark movies where he's like a sweet, sensitive guy. It's
0: like, This is what my career's been reduced to. <sighs> he's not good enough, good looking enough. That's true. To play that role, yeah. You know what I mean? There's a thing called leading man qualities. I always tend yeah. to say this. Like, if you were to watch the, the Office, okay, they don't change the script at all. They just change the actors. So Krasinski now plays the temp. And B.J. Novak now plays Jim. Do you think this show would have gotten any ratings? Uh, probably not. I'm not a big no, enough no, Office cause, fan. Cause, cause, because B.J. Novak does not have leading man qualities. That's fair. John Krasinski does. Right. So he could usurp that. That's why I always said with How I Met Your Mother, one of my biggest issues was... To make that show more likable, they should have swapped Jason Siegel and uh, Josh Radner's roles. Yeah, but... Because Segel has leading man qualities. Radner does not.
1: But also, Jason Segel's whole role is like the, the nice best friend. Whereas, I don't think Jason Siegel's a bad enough guy where he could do some of the crap that Ted did to women.
0: Oh. I know, but you if you look at Jim on The Office, compare those. Yeah. Jim, especially those early seasons...
1: Yeah, he's a douche.
0: Kind of an asshole. Yeah. That's fair. You know? But Krasinski made you forget about that because he's charming. That's fair. I get you. You know, if you put a less charming guy like BJ Novak, no disrespect to him, in that role, everyone like, oh, I hate this show. I hate these characters. That's why I think How I Met Your Mother would have been a lot, well, not to say it wasn't successful. It was very successful. Yeah. But people like me would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> I did not the character swap, but anyway, I'm getting off track. It's weird Scott Kahn was a
1: rapper. But wasn't his dad... Uh, wasn't Jimmy Kahn ma- mainly playing a lot yeah. of bad guys, too? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean... But he'd also it's, I think have it's a shake in the face. a leading man.
0: I think it's in their face. Maybe. They got douche But James Kahn would also get leading man roles. Like, James Khan is much more of a leading man than Scott no, Kahn. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. He's the son of James Kahn. What do you know about hard times? Jeez. Canada. Trying to make it as a rapper. I know. Nepotism runs deep in Hollywood.
1: Well, I mean, hip hop in general has been usurped by, like, what started off in the streets has been usurped by suburbanites, whether it's black black or white. It doesn't matter. It's like, uh, like I'm sure any up-and-coming rappers... Uh, you read their bios, they probably, it's like, well, he was born in Cleveland, but raised in, like, Shaker Heights, a nice, safe suburb outside of Cleveland, you
0: know? Uh, that, was, that was kind of the things why, like, uh, Eminem and Kid Rock drew a different audience, yeah. despite being both from Detroit, is that Kid Rock lived a very pampered life, <laughs> whereas Eminem did yeah, not. So, Eminem family had an you know, apple orchard. To him. Yeah. Now, he did, like, sell drugs. Yeah. And... Well, I believe Kid he sold Rock, women, too, which is really scuzzy. Kid, but, Rock, um,
1: Kid Rock specifically made a point of like, I'm going to leave this behind this whole life and go into the streets to try to build my credibility. Eminem's like, yeah, I don't need to prove shit to you people. I came from the <laughs> sewers.
0: The only life he knows. Yeah. But the trailer park, the trailer park. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to talking about black magic, yeah. shall we? Sales for this album proved to be pretty good. It peaked at number 22 on the Canadian charts, and it would make an appearance at number 21 on the Billboard Independent charts, and it would reach number tw- 19 on the Heatseeker charts. But as we know about the Heatseeker charts, they don't hold that much water. Yeah. Uh, but reviews for Black Magic were a little bit all over the place. Rap Reviews gave it 9 out of 10, Pop Matters would only give it 5 out of 10. Uh, but on average, this release would get three out of five reviews. Uh, the members did achieve their goal again uh, by returning to their past glory by uh, winning the Juno for Rap Recording of the Year in 2007. So it did get them a Juno win. Uh, what were your thoughts on Black Magic?
1: It's kind of been my biggest criticism of solo members up to this point is they need that producer to say, Let's cut some chaffa because this is like this is because okay. as there's a lot of great tracks on this album, but there's also stuff that I kind of like yeah. upon my second or third listen, uh, I've skip over. Uh, okay, but like because it's like some like it's not that they're bad songs; it's just like I'm not feeling it as much, and I'm like I don't feel the need to do a whole once over. Um, okay. So I think, and also it comes in, you know, 21 songs, an hour and eight minutes. They really max out the CDR. Um, it's, there's. I <laughs> oh, didn't even think of that. It's, uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, a tight 50 minutes or a, a cut out two or three songs, just make it just a, an hour. There's nothing wrong with that and still, like, you know, it might add a little bit more to it, but
0: it's not a bad album. I, I agree with you there. Um, however, I think I like this a little bit more than you did. Uh, now, granted, I only listened to it once, didn't do three or four passes of yeah. it. Um, I felt their goal with this album... Now, here I am as an idiot, as a host. I should have reminded everyone that when Mocha left after the release of Heavy, which they weren't very proud of, yeah. their goal, Mad Child to Prevail, was to return to their roots. And I think they did a good job yes, of that this this, this album. album is, I will say... like. I-
1: I'm not shitting on it because I didn't like it. I'm shitting on it because it, like, I think with a bit more editing, I think those reviews from critics wouldn't have been so fluctuating. I think they all would have been on the okay. same page. Is all I'm saying. It would have tightened up something that's already good. Um, but yeah, they definitely went back to the balance era, trying to be a little more gritty, very angry. Yeah. Uh, back to their kind of street rap roots. Not not uh, they're not trying to be glossy. Because the the other thing too is the glam era of hip hop is over by 2006 or it's like on its way out and ushering in this new kind of indie hip-hop era like alt hip-hop where like you know Kid Cudi and Chance the Rapper and all these people Macklemore started to come in and take the stage so the the era of hip-hop is kind of changing too so I think they were kind of leaving the glam era behind in a nice way with this album
0: the other thing that they did here um also, the darker thematics, yeah. like the Dungeons & Dragons stuff, that was back. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they did here that they hadn't really done before is use a lot of live instruments, mm. which I really appreciate, particularly the organ on the track Dark Clouds, yeah. I liked. Uh, Love the chorus exchange between Mocha and Everlast on Put Me On. Oh, that's so well, that was great. a great summer ditty, really like that. My favorite song on this album was Go to Sleep featuring Barbie Hatch, who I couldn't find a whole lot of information on, uh, but it's a nice can't-get-over-your-ex type song. Yeah. I thought that was really good. And other songs that I liked were Pressure, So Deadly, Weight, Heart, Too Hot, and Dynamite. Yeah, I thought this was a good album.
1: Yeah, I liked, uh, I loved the two tracks at the end. I thought they closed out really strong with uh, Black Magic and Brothers. I really liked those. Yeah. But also the ones you yeah. said, those were all really good, but
0: one thing about Black Magic, though, this was at the height of Mad Child's addiction issues. He was in a really bad place during this album, Um, not only with the addiction issues, but with legal issues as well. So so all the members take a three-year break before their follow-up, which was Armed to the Teeth. Now, that came out in October 2009, and um, Mad Child would kind of get put to the back seat. Uh, for producing. That role was heavily done by Brad X and Kevin Zinger, who are members of the Cottonmouth Kings. And um, if you don't know the Cottonmouth Kings, picture this. Uh, Prevail leaves swollen members, and all of their lyrics now are about weed. That's the Cottonmouth Kings. Mm. You ever listen to them? No. They're like ICP adjacent. Malcolm was actually a huge Cottonmouth Kings fan. He really liked them. Yeah. Uh, What's it called? Uh, but this association with the Kings would definitely gravitate their fan base because they went from the alternative hip-hop crowd and now they're getting more towards that juggalo crowd. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I had a conversation with somebody at work about this when we were trying to figure out the swollen members, because this album kind of represents a bit of an identity crisis for the group. We'll get into that in a bit. Yes. But what, as an adult Brian Last, who could take away things like Image and stuff like that, what are your thoughts on the ICP and the Juggalo crowd these days? Um, like
1: thoughts on like, do I think it's well, lame? Yeah, like do you?
0: i let me put it this way: When I was younger, I remember at first I liked the the ICP because I think I mentioned in our Woodstock episode I saw their tour bus at a yeah, Taco yeah. Bell in Tennessee when <laughs> I was a kid, um, and I liked the way. Shaggy and Jay rapped. I thought they sounded cool. I liked their voices. I liked how they were kind of funny, their songs. But then as I got older, I noticed their fans were really... I don't know. Maybe me being a bit of an elitist, I thought they were a little bit low rent. You know what I mean? A little white trash. Um, And now that I'm an adult, and a lot of it had to do with that Workaholics episode where they go to the gathering of the (laughs) Juggles, I kind of realized that They've got their own place where people can just do whatever they want and have fun, yeah. and they're not out to hurt anybody. Right. In fact, the Juggalos um, did a big anti-racism march towards like a Nazi rally in D.C. a couple of years ago. They mm. gathered up all their Juggalos, they wore their war paint, yeah. and they went to war with actual Nazis, right. so kind of
1: a cool thing there well not only um, not only that like because that's the thing right you see juggalos and like you think that oh, look at these nerds like uh, kind of slithering out of their parents basement to go to their one show a year kind of thing that's what people would probably yeah. think and also i mean it doesn't help with their ties to back in the day when they were in uh that wrestling group
0: yeah the oddities oddities right um yeah. So I mean like And that's a great song too. Can you play that Oddities theme music by ICP? me I'm cheeks.
1: Man, I haven't heard that. I not a the greatest show. I haven't I'm heard that song since I watched wrestling God. in like the late 90s. <laughs>
0: I got a VHS, because I got into wrestling in, like, 2000, right? So I just missed the ICP. Right. So I got a VHS of the uh, 99 Royal Rumble. And there's a bunch of the oddities were in the uh, Royal Rumble match. And whenever they came and they played that song, the crowd went apeshit. Yeah. Not over the wrestlers, but over the song. And it's they're all going was back just and a forth very hyped doing this. <laughs> It really is a hype song. It's an awesome song.
1: But yeah, I could see, you know, that whole, like, don't judge a book by its cover kind of thing. Because, but yeah, it's like, that's the great thing about music in general is, you know, it's like, I'm sure there's people that like their soul music is like, they love Weird Al Yankovic, right? And it's like, that's, there's a scene yeah. of people who love Weird Al and... Who uh, will follow Weird Al everywhere he yeah. goes. And so that's, it's a great thing about music where you can find your thing. It doesn't have to be everyone else's thing and you know as long as like you said they're not hurting anyone it's like a unity thing and not like unity isn't like a white power kind of unity it's like a unity yeah, exactly. as, as, as friendship um, yeah. and uh yeah, and actually, the a comedian I love, Big Jay, he's, I think he's been on with ICP before because. Was he a juggalo? Like not—I think he's juggalo adjacent because he's like open. <laughs> I think he's open for corn, and I think he's open for ICP before or something. But okay. uh, yeah, so and also everyone makes fun of him. They're like, Jay, you literally just need the war paint. You're basically a juggalo because he always has the finger gloves and the wallet chains and everything." <laughs> yeah, but, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I—I don't think I would ever judge anyone because I'm sure it's fun, right? Yeah. I'd go to check
0: it. I you might know I might not wear the war. You paint go there, the you drink some fuego, you <laughs> watch some wrestling, you smoke a lot of weed and you enjoy some rap music and some really weird celebrity appearances. <laughs> so, there you go. That's the life of a juggalo and who's to say that's a bad life, yeah. you know? I think I'm pro I think I'm pro juggalo yeah. these days. Uh, that association with the ICP and Cottonmouth Kings uh, would actually really help sales for this album as it would appear on the overall Billboard charts. It made it to number 146, which is pretty good because I don't think they had really been that high before. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, it would also chart at number 5 on the Heat Seekers and number 23 on the Independent charts. And of course, sales remained strongest in Canada where the album would reach number 19. Now, uh, Mocha Only would appear on this album. He'd actually produce a remix of his solo track, Red Dragon, which was first included in Monsters in the Closet. Mm -hmm. If you remember Monsters in the Closet, it was kind of a hodgepodge B-side sort of thing. So it's interesting that they went back to that for this release. Um, The group would also recruit Trey Nice as kind of an unofficial fill-in for Mocha Only on this album. He'd appear on nine tracks, including the singles Porn Star, Warrior, and Bollywood Chick. Uh, I looked up Nice just to see what he was all about. He's from Vancouver. Uh, and not to sound racist, <laughs> I was shocked to find out he was black. Oh, uh, yeah? And he raps that really high-pitched voice. I, sw- I thought he was a white guy. I thought they well... just brought someone up from the of that's the thing Far, it's like um, you know sounds can
1: be very deceiving like uh, there's a rapper singer I like His uh, named Bryce Vine and like the stuff that he raps about like he has a song called uh, Sour Patch Kids and it's all kind of about yep. like 90s nostalgia like he, I think it
0: was a white guy but it's actually sure. like it's just it's, it's interesting how easily in music you can hear a voice yeah. and paint this picture of somebody in your head and you go oh oh that's what <laughs> yeah. they look like okay Weird how that happens. Yeah. Um, has that ever happened to you with anybody else, maybe outside of the rap world? Well, you heard their voice and you're like, definitely you pictured what they looked like and then you see them and you're like, ah. Well, I've mentioned this before, Rag and Bone Man. That's the biggest
1: one. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Just trying to think. I'm sure like actors and stuff or especially voice actors, when you hear someone who can do like certain voices and you're like, don't expect them to look like that.
0: Oh, uh, yeah okay I get that especially when it's a real deep voice yeah this is CNN or it's yeah. like
1: uh, you look at the guy that plays Bob and slash Archer yeah uh, what the hell is that guy's name H John Benjamin right. and like he he literally looks like Tom Segura
0: the comedian <laughs> just like this bald guy you with God I never even thought of that yeah they do look a lot alike yeah. except you know H John Benjamin's not nearly as fat <laughs> hey I wanted to talk yeah um. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, too, because I, I got another story. I, so I was doing one of my hockey games because I, I do the PA announcing for a hockey team up here. And at the end of the game, this girl starts shouting up to the announce booth. Hey, radio man, radio man. I went, yeah. She goes, I've been listening to you, your commercials. She's hammered. For 10 years. Never thought you'd look like that. I'm like, is that a good thing? She went, yes, it's a good thing. And I have not been in Thunder Bay for 10 years. So there's no (laughs) way she's been listening to me for 10 years. So what I gathered from that was, I've got a very generic radio guy voice.
1: Well, I mean, uh, But apparently I don't look like it, so... When people hear my voice, and then they see me in, in person, they're like, huh. And they're not expecting it to be some big giant...
0: Yeah. Because let's just face it, Brian, your, your voice isn't that threatening.
1: No, so not at you're all.
0: threaten someone over the phone, like, I'm going to come and kick your ass. I'm going to come and kick your ass. Yeah. Maybe something, Do you know oh, how I'll many times? Out. And then you show up at their door and you go, oh, a guy with the high-pitched voice hired somebody. Do you
1: know how many times Campbell has told me, he's like, stand there, shut up, and don't say anything and look threatening? Because as soon as you open your <laughs> mouth, people just start giggling.
0: You remember the time we were at Boston Pizza, and that guy was hammered? And he, they couldn't kick him out. He wouldn't leave. Yeah. They were trying. And we said to you, you're a bouncer. Get over there and bounce. And you were so reluctant to do it. And then the second you walked over to the guy and he saw you, yeah. he left. He didn't want to mess with you at all. So Campbell's got a point there. Well, it's funny, too, because I, your size alone
1: is intimidating. Because I didn't say anything and I was standing behind, what was his name, Rob, the, uh, the manager, the short, bald guy. Tobin. I thought it was. Oh, Rob. Was, yeah, yeah, Rob. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't even realize yeah. I was there because the guy's like, I'm not leaving because of you. And he points up at me.
0: He's like, because of you. And Rob turns around. He's like, hey, where'd you come from? I <laughs> guess what? We got free shots after that. Yeah. So huzzah. Yeah. Moral That's of the story. Right. That's why I bring you around.
1: Yeah. Give me free shots. Moral of the story if you have a, a tall friend, <laughs> pimp him out to try to get free shots to save the day.
0: You're good at concerts too, when you're trying to get through the crowd to get a good spot. Because everyone, the C's will separate for you. So if I just follow you really, really close behind, you well, get to the, a good spot.
1: Well, the C's will separate, but then people will just be like, yeah, this fucking tall guy is going to block my fucking <laughs> view. and a piece of shit. And I'm like,
0: I can hear you. You're not saying it very tell, quiet. Tell them about the Killers concert. So, uh, <laughs> our
1: friend Brandon. Does not go to many concerts. Although it's odd enough, I've been to two with him, Dave Matthews and The Killers. Um, But like those are his two favorite bands, at least at the time. I don't even know if he listens to music now. But uh, so we went and saw them for the Day and Age tour, and Brandon was so hyped. He's like, "We got to get floor seats." I don't go to many concerts. I'm not like you guys. (laughs) So he's uh, he's like, "We got to get floor seats. Spend some good money." I'm like, "All right, fine." So we got there early enough. We filtered our way. Like we got there probably 45 minutes hour early so like there's still tons of floor space so we got pretty close to the front and I'm standing there not bothering anyone not doing anything and then as people started to filter in and then M83 came on, I could just hear the whole set for M83, I could just hear people behind me bitching, just like, random this fucking tall guy, blocking my fucking thing. <laughs> so like, I, I'm like, just shaking it off, Just this is pre-Taylor Swift to shake it off, but I'm just shaking it off, and after yeah. like three or four songs, so I'm like, alright, I got to see the Killers up close. I'm going to kind of filter over to the side. I was basically by like the uh, the boards. So I'm like leaning on the boards just watching the rest of the show and it's a great show. Were you at uh, Scotiabank Arena or were you at comps? Uh, Scotiabank. Okay. Well, back then it was... Uh, Air Canada yeah. Center. Uh, and so the Killers put on a hell of a show. They did a... Uh, their encore was uh, all these things that I'd done and these balloons started to rain from the sky and people were passing them around and, and they all said, I got soul and uh nice yeah and then so the they leave lights come on we're all filtering out and some fucking douche head who i could have like knocked through the fucking wall taps me on the shoulders like hey man when you move to the side that was the nicest thing you could have done for everybody i was like who the fuck are you like i was like ready to lose it on this kid but i'm just like i just like choked on my rage and just like swallowed
0: it down i'm like don't. He should have grabbed one of those balloons, tied it to his legs and thrusted him off into the ceiling. I
1: should have just punched him in the fucking mouth and said, "How about you don't talk just to let strangers?" float up
0: there all night. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like don't run your yeah. mouth to strangers, like you freaking idiot. Like
0: I don't know, like be, you could have a, you could have a trunk full of hammers and chainsaws.
1: Or I could just be a giant with a hot temper
0: who doesn't well, know too. his
1: own strength. Anyway.
0: But yeah, it's so not easy being-
1: it's not easy being not easy, green. I was gonna say
0: it's not easy being uh, like six twenty four. How ever tall you,
1: six twenty four is like eight foot That'd two. Be Eight feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, just like you don't want to piss off a tall person, you don't want to run your mouth to a short person either, because you never know what kung fu or like MMA they might know as like a. Is yeah. a like my brother's friend Matt, tiny guy, but he trained in like uh, jiu jitsu or Emma, uh, Muay Thai or something. He could he could he could fuck you up. Oh
0: yeah, you gotta do what you can. Yeah, when you're when you're when you're a short guy too, you know that that could. Apparently, the guy from uh, Fantasy Island who played Tattoo, oh, he was a tough guy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, you couldn't mess with him. Apparently, he'd, oh, he'd carry a knife, switchblade, he'd pull it on you, kick you in the shins. He <laughs> a rough, cu- rough customer, that guy, apparently. It's like each true Hollywood story on Fantasy Island. <laughs> Everyone was afraid of him. Uh. All right, well, getting back to uh, arm to the Teeth and, uh, and Trey Nice, who kind of fills in for Mocha Only on this yeah. album. Uh, I looked him up on social media. He actually seems like a very nice guy, family guy now. Uh, having said that, though, he was no replacement for Mocha. No. And really, just, you know what? He brought something different, but eh, it was only okay. Uh, among guests on this album, you've got hardcore rap legend and another guy who's in tight with the ICP circle, Tech Nine. Uh, I recommend his track, I'm a Tell, if you want to hear a good Tech Nine song. Play it, Brian, if you don't mind. Why you don't wanna with another hit out of a biz, baby, you don't want miss the Babes, they love to come by and get laid. This in your or in the club. Giving everybody what they need. I give it all so give it all back to me. Haters, don't you hide. Just show some love. He's also on a also Jurassic 5
1: song, Tech 9 Which Which one? I can't remember, but I, because I remember I played it on my, when I was living in Windsor and on my show, I played it on that, that, but uh, I well, keep talking. I'm going to look it up.
0: Well, he appears on the track Bollywood Chick on this album, which was one of their singles. And the other thing about Tech Nine is you know how the Blue Jays have Getty Lee. As they're like behind home plate fan. Yeah. he is that for the Kansas City Royals. Oh. And he goes there. He always wears this like shirt promoting whatever album he's working on. <laughs> His hair is all spiked up, but he's you know you don't see too many black guys with spiky blonde hair, and so he's really easy to point out at Royals games, especially how sparsely attended those are. Yeah, um, yeah, but a huge Royals fan. Uh, also, we talked about him earlier on this on this uh, podcast. Conscious rapper legend Talib Kweli yeah. appears on the track Crossfire. also back back, punk, rock, yeah, like black Flag, Operation Ivy with the poison in the ink. Well, screw your face up like Also, Everlast returns on this one for the track Dumb, and he's joined by fellow Boston rapper Slane, who you might know best as one of Ben Affleck's buddies. In the movie The Town, uh, he was also in Gone Baby Gone. He's really tight with Affleck, yeah. and he got a nice little acting career because of
1: that. I love that. Albert McGlone, only in Boston, is a guy named Albert McGlone. That was his character in The Town. <laughs> but that's what John Hamm says when he's kind of doing the rundown of like the rap sheet on all those yeah. guys. That was his rap sheet. He's like, only in Boston would a guy named be named Albert McGlone. Albert McGlone.
0: No <laughs> wonder he goes by Slane. Well, that's his character yeah. in the movie. That's not his real name. I know. I'm <laughs> making a joke. Did you find that song yet? Nah. You can't just write Jurassic 5 Tech 9? I guess I could, in hindsight. (laughs) I was trying to go through (laughs) the
1: actual album. Shut up.
0: I was going to take you all day. They don't
1: have a million albums. They have like four
0: albums. I know. Oh. I don't want to get too far ahead of you.
1: Soul searching.
0: So it's all search. Oh, sorry. It's my, l-
1: my mistake. It was, uh, I think it was actually Tech Nine's song that featured members of Jurassic 5. That's why I
0: mixed it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Tech Nine kind of branches out and works with everybody. Yeah. Reviews for this album were very mixed again. Some publications, like Rap Reviews, pr- Press Plus One, and The Phoenix, gave it praise, while others, like Hip Hop DX, iWeekly, and Now, completely wrote it off. As one of the worst Swollen Members albums. Uh, I don't think this is a bad release. There is a major tonal shift here. Um, I talked about how there is a bit of an identity crisis going on, um, and we talked about the association with the Cottonmouth Kings. It feels dirtier yeah. than their past releases, you know? Some of the tunes I'd hear it almost <laughs> classify as strip club music. Oh, 100%. Does that make sense? Like Porn Star? Yeah. A little bit strip club music yeah. Uh Having said that, though, there were songs on this that I also really liked. I really liked the track Certified Dope that had that cool soul sample that they rap over. It uh, really felt old school. I also really loved uh, Lonely One and the kickoff track Reclaim the Throne. And uh, Crossfire was awesome because hearing Prevail rap alongside Talib Kweli. Yeah, that was great. Was, you know, it's like The Rock versus Hulk Hogan in (laughs) WrestleMania. You know what I mean? It's icon versus icon. You never thought you'd see it. It's really cool. And uh, I should also mention I really liked Mad Child's autobiographical tune, My Life. Yeah. That helps you detail some of the issues he was going through at that time. Um, I'm kind of thumbs in the middle on this one. Where do you stand?
1: Well, it was weird. So the first time I listened to Arm to the Teeth, I was like very taken back. I'm like, this is shit. And then the second time I put it on a second time, I'm like, maybe I was more focused on like the lyrics or something, or I was able to like kind of put it into context. But I was like, this is actually much better. The second time It's very strange. Now um, yeah, there's still having said that there's still songs I wasn't a big fan of like I didn't like Bollywood chick, I didn't like yeah I didn't really like that I either I didn't like Real P I um, and there was like one or two other ones I wasn't a huge fan of Flyest I think that was the other one I didn't like but the the ones that were good like the ones that you mentioned like the little concerto uh, the one with slain and Everlast. Uh, Like there's so many, there's a lot of good ones in there that it was like again with a little bit more fine tuning, this could have been a little bit better. But uh,
0: see, I was a little disappointed. The slain and Everlast one, I thought it kind of blended into the background. Well, and like I was like, when when does that slain track kick in? I'm like, oh, I just listened to it. And well, this is another problem
1: that kind of is dogging this half of their career is because the beats are very dark and aggressive. Um, The lyrics are very dark And you know what I mean It's a lot of songs about Mad Child's addiction Like it really hits you over the head with it That the albums do start to blend together And so that's why there's not as like Whereas you can put a true distinction Between balance and bad dreams And then bad dreams and uh, Well I know it's b-sides But like Monsters in the Closet and then, for better or for worse, between monsters in the closet and heavy, like there's actual you know shifts in each album. Whereas this one, the, yeah. the, like the last, this one, and then beautiful death machine, they all seem very just mm, together, like oof, like a big blob. Okay, but I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying it just there's a lot of similarities in this era of the swollen members that don't.
0: But I I I wouldn't say this is bad either. But I put it in their lower echelon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Swollen Members make good music and make good albums. Yes. Yeah. But this is not one of their best. Yeah. They want to see an album that I think is one of their best. It's coming up next, Daggermouth. Yes. That would be the next Swollen Members album, released on April 12th, 2011. This time, the album went into the hands of Rob the Viking. And Rob the Viking, we, know, we didn't talk about him much or his contributions in the first episode. Um... Here's where he kind of steps up as being the MVP. Cottonmouth Kings were gone. Mad Child could just focus on rapping. And Rob the Viking got his image out there. One of his images was, let's make this 99% a Mad Child Prevail album. In fact, the only guest that appears on this album is Saigon, best known for his role on Entourage, (laughs) who contributes to the final track of the album, Bring Me Down which is the uh, Swollen Remix of Bring Me Down. Uh, what did Sa- You have to re- remind me, because I, I, I recognize the name. I know he was on Entourage. I'm trying to figure out what he did on Entourage.
1: Okay, so uh, he was the guy. So basically everyone was kind of starting to go in different directions. Like E was starting to have his success as Vince, like kind of trying to forge his own path as a manager. Vince's career was doing really well post-Aquaman. And then like... Uh, or no, I think Vince's career was kind of in a weird mix. I think it was coming off of Aquaman, but then there was all this like smoke jumper shit where he's like, "I'm out of a job," and his career's kind of it's right before his resurgence, uh, right? And and dramas on Five Towns, and so Turtle's really trying to find his thing. So he wants to be. Uh, he found this song, and uh, they they he's like, "What if we use it for Queens Boulevard? It's like a closing credit because someone broke into." maserati and put this put the cd in because he thought it was like a guy who owned like geffen or not geffen um interscope oh, so uh, okay. so they just randomly had the cd and then so they tracked down saigon and of course drama being like the worst person to talk to like a black person he's like so awful it's funny because he's like it's like what's up what's up dog and he's trying to give him like a pound he's like no nah, dog we're not doing that and he's just uh but he's also, they go to talk to his mom. He's like, that would make you miss Saigon? And she's just like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, need to go back and watch Yeah, it. it's, 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 a, it's, a funny, it's a funny episode. So then uh, Turtle becomes his manager, and he spends, like, that's his kind of arc over that season is trying to get Saigon, like, a record label. But then he, okay. get, he gets kind of dicked around, because literally the day he's about to sign with, like, Interscope or something, uh, his old manager snakes out of the the woodwork and uh he's like i found you a better deal after turtle did all the legwork of getting like his name out there and all this stuff uh, so okay. he basically sends him off with some parting cash and then he's like so turtle's hip hop career or budding like aspirations of hip hop management is over but it's all thanks to saigon hun
0: they kept that storyline going do you think they would have had turtle rap
1: i fucking hope not
0: like as a guest spot <laughs> Would be kind of funny. Although I mean, that would be a funny
1: episode. <laughs> it's like, come on, Sai, I know, I know hip hop. I've been listening to hip hop my whole life. Like shut the fuck up, turtle. Just because you watch baseball, you can't hit a fastball. You know what I
0: mean? But yeah, I would have liked that. Yeah, because that was the thing. I remember mentioning him a lot, but I don't. I don't remember him being on it as much, but. Yeah. Well, thank you for filling us there in. There you go. Um, now, sales were very strong for Daggermouth. It reached number 15 on the Canadian charts, number 41 in the Billboard Independence, number 3 in the Heatseekers. And it would also receive stellar reviews across the board, with rap reviews giving it an 8 out of 10, hip hop DX giving it a 4 out of 5, and it would receive a Juno nomination for Rap Recording of the Year in 2011, but it would lose to Drake and his Take Care album. For my money, this is Swollen Member's Best Album. I liked it better than Balance, which had been the one I've been singing the praises for the entire thing. So this, Daggermouth is my new favorite. Uh, it's personal. It's clever. The production is super tight. Big props to Rob the Viking. Yeah. This is exactly what they needed following a couple of clunkers. Um, and Madchild uses his voices, his voice, his verses, rather, Uh to project the journey has been on through mental health and addiction because as far as i know he's clean on this album and when mad is clean yeah. mad produces some of his best stuff well yeah because he has little little mental clarity and uh yeah. so he's
1: not bogged down with just like what do people want to hear versus like what do i
0: want to say yeah exactly and then prevail he's just so amazing that no matter what mad child throws out of that at that yeah. he can go with it and he can make it work and uh without pulling away from the subject at hand too you know sometimes you'll get that with a rap duo yeah. where you're kind of on track for one verse and then you throw it to the next guy and he'll just ruin the song <laughs> yeah. he's just too into it and gets way too off theme so that doesn't happen here because you know prevails awesome uh And they may have dealt with a bit of an identity crisis on the last one that I talked about. Were they alternative hip-hop? Were they kind of like ICP, Juggalo style? Here, they push out the branding, and it is quintessential Swollen Members. And uh, the other thing I was a big fan of, Brian, with Daggermouth. This is how into Daggermouth I was. Yeah. I took notes, track-by-track notes, of the references that I liked. Do you want to hear them? Sure. The lyrics. Okay, on the song... Oh, God, I can't even read my writing. <laughs> Is it the slang, the second song? The shining. The story? The what? The shining. The Shining. Prevail killing it with... God, I'm... I can't read this! Here, let me just play a The supreme a <laughs> villain, Glengarry Gary Glen Ross... Reference. My old pocket knife Step Yeah I'm classical spice You a spice girl Scary Selling off my mental property Glenn Ross Glenn Gary And I know what's wrong it Does look like Gary Glenn Ross? I thought it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> He's, I'm bad with writing Alright on the next track Fire Mad Child Dropping a two can Sam reference Yeah I love that On Mr. <laughs> <laughs> on Mr. Impossible Mad Child again Referencing Norrin Rad Which is Silver Surfer's Secret identity Wow yeah. Um Moonshine, Vigo Mortensen laid down by Prevail. <laughs> House of Sin, John Malkovich from Mad Child. Um, Fresh Air, Rick Rubin, and the Nashville Predators from Prevail. Yeah. War Money, Jerry Lee Lewis from Prevail. The Predator, West Coast Avengers from Mad Child, Devil, Bob Marley from Mad Child. Although Bob Marley gets his name dropped quite a bit in right. music. Still, it's nice to hear. I like yeah. Bob Marley. White patho- Python, Black Tarantula, Sound of the Drum, Tattooed Like a Maori. I thought that was a good line. And then uh, on the last track, uh, Bring Me Down, Curtis Mayfield from Prevail. Mm. So I was such a fan of their uh, references, I decided to write everyone I liked down. So there yeah. you go. Yes. It's yeah, good when one's... you hear a Glengarry Glen Ross reference a rap song. <laughs> What did you think of this uh, release? No, it was, it was very good, especially
1: coming off of the like two inconsistent albums. This one definitely had a more consistent tone. Like, like you said, they just they go in, they knew what they were doing. This was not; they weren't pissing and froing, or as the Brits like to say, they weren't assing about. Um, <laughs> they just they went in and they it
0: was done. It was good. There you go. Do you think I'm being too? I'm, I'm shelling out too much praise. Do you think this is better than balance? Do you think this is the best one, like I'm saying? Or what do you think of that?
1: I'd have to go back and listen to Daggermouth again just to be to give a full... Because it's been a bit. Like I hadn't listened to it in like a week or two. So I don't have a full... I'd have to listen to them side by side to really mm-hmm. say. But in terms of... Like, Balance was so good because it was their first effort. You didn't fully know what you were to expect. Because especially, like, we were pretty lame and swollen members fans. Like, we knew the hits. That's all we really knew. Yeah. Whereas, like, when Balance came out, it's nothing like any of those original hits, right? From a couple of years into their career. So, it just took everyone by surprise. And then by the time of it Mouth, it was inconsistencies... Know relying too much on all these guests where it's like this is just like balance, it's just the three of them, and it's and it's
0: great. That's what I love about it, is it's just I really don't like it when you it's not that I don't like it. I, I I don't see the point when you put out a release and there's a guest on every track. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not here buying a compilation album here. I want to hear what the artist in question can do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, like,
1: uh, yeah, because if, if you're worth anything as an MC, you need to be able to stand out on your own or with a group. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, you watch like a sketch show, like Kids in the Hall. Collectively, they're all funny. But yeah. if like one of them tried to go out and do like a solo stand-up show or uh, just like a one-man performance, would it be as good? Or is he just the sum of the parts, right? Yeah, well,
0: that's one of the reasons why I stopped watching SNL, because you have an enormous cast. Yeah, it's way
1: too bloated. Most
0: of these kids can't get a sketch on every week and just don't appear on the show. Yeah. Yeah, you're getting Alec Baldwin to come on and play Trump and Jim Carrey to come on and play Joe Biden. Yeah, that was so stupid. Use the tools that you have. Yeah. Use the people. They didn't do that back in the 80s. They didn't say, hey, Dana Carvey, you do a great George Bush, but we're gonna call in, I don't know, who's famous back then, Kevin Klein <laughs> yeah. instead. Hey. Uh, He's the first guy that came to my mind. Toads. You're not Kevin <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> um, you, You're gonna do that. You know what I mean? Like you, you had this huge rich cast. Yeah. Um use them to their full potential. And they're not. These. Ugh. I remember there's one episode. It's pissed me off, too. And I got a little worried about it because a few weeks ago, uh, Jonathan Majors who's um going to be playing Kang the Conqueror Ooh. in the Marvel Universe coming up. And he was on the Loki show. Um he's on the show uh, Lovecraft County. Okay. He hosted for the first time. But the musical guest was Taylor Swift. And I was like, I'm they're going to screw him over. They're going to put Taylor Swift in every sketch. He's not going to have anything to do. Uh it was like when Paul Rudd hosted for the first time. Um Beyonce was a musical guest and they only put her in one sketch, but for some reason Justin Timberlake decided he wanted to show up be appear on the show that week. So it was basically like Justin Timberlake was hosting, and Paul Rudd was in like four sketches. That's so but like dumb. they brought him back to host the next year. And they did the same they did the same thing to Ed Helms when he hosted the first time. They like brought out all these more famous people than him who like took over the show and he had nothing to do. And so like they they screw over their cast and they screw over their hosts sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, like, I don't know. Yeah, you, you got me on a yeah, bit. Talk of a about an identity crisis. Saturday Live <laughs> definitely has an identity crisis. Yeah, let's well, just, you know, I, the last great wave. You know, I, I, people. Whenever people are like, I guess our generation's like, it has been good since the Farley years, which isn't yeah. true. No. There was that period in the late aughts where Bill Hader was on there and Jason Sudeikis yeah. and Kristen Wiig and Forte, who I might consider to. be, I think people overlook Forte. I went back and watched his impression of Zell Miller or earlier this week. And you know, I keep I trying
1: to find Zell Miller myself. quotes, and I never find it.
0: <laughs> it's so hard to find! You know, no, it wasn't his. It, I watched Conan, when Conan had the clutch cargo. As oh, okay. Because I was looking for Forte's, and I couldn't find it. But the other, the other one was this one that Forte did with Bill Hader, where Josh Brolin was the host, and... Uh, <laughs> Bill Hader introduced Forte as Fartface. And Roland's like, I nice studied you Fartface. He's like, I already told you. Don't be calling me Fartface. And goes, too bad. I like calling you Fartface. You don't like calling fart Fartface. And they just start screaming at each other. At the end of the sketch, Josh Brolin kills himself. Because <laughs> he didn't like being called Fartface. And it is... Do you, yeah, do you know anyway. what's sad about that era of that SNL cast was so gold and like all the huge stars that came out of it, and now they're just kind of lost at sea. I don't know. I just haven't been interested since that cast finished well,
1: up. Do you know what's sad about that era of SNL is all those great people you just named were probably overshadowed by Jimmy Fallon because he was there at the time, or is that during the kind of like no, transition? Oh, was he, he was gone, gone, gone by that point? Okay, he was
0: gone. You know, like Seth Meyers did the news still. Oh, okay. And he was—that was all he was doing just the news, and I think he was head writer yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think that's,
1: that's that. Sorry, I was going to say just the from the limited SNL that I have seen because I just I haven't really been interested in like five to six years. Uh, yeah. Actually, I barely even watched it. It's been a long time since I've actually made an effort, but uh, I can't think of anyone who. Really is that standout Who's gonna be in like movie Like I mean they already have him with Leslie Jones And like Kate McKinnon Yeah Kate McKinnon's
0: the big star right but now But
1: like any of the younger people Who's like the kind of like I can't really think of
0: They're okay I don't know his name But on the season premiere This year they had a new guy star He's the new guy who plays Biden And they said he was in like It was unheard of amount of sketches for a new cast member Yeah I forget the guy's name. It's like a German name. He's um, he's they're looking at him as being the next breakout. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah. So there's that. I don't know. When I find the time, I'll go back to it. Yeah. But it's not really my show anymore. No, well, you know what I mean. You know, like uh, someone, I was listening
1: to a podcast, Nick, because they, they're always they always shit on Saturday Night Live, and uh, yeah, uh, they but they brought up a good point every person of a certain age says it hasn't been good since I was like this. Like, you know, like we say, like maybe yeah. like the Will Ferrell years might be our last year because, you know, we were in high school and like college during the Will Ferrell years. Uh, yeah. And that's the that's the audience that's made for, like teens to early 20s. So people, like we would say that era and then like people a few years younger than us might say the the Fallon to whatever years and then, you know what I mean? And like, so yeah. in like 10 years, some... Dipshit's gonna be like,
0: yeah, those uh Punky Johnson, Chris Red, like these are all like people. Oh my god, I just realized Punky Johnson's an actual cast member. I thought you just made someone up. No, that's an actual cast member. <laughs> I you just made up a name. No. Uh, because oh, well. I
1: remember listening to Burr talk about. Actually,
0: Chris, Re- Chris, Re- I haven't seen Punky Johnson stuff, but Chris Red's pretty good. Yeah,
1: uh, from what I've seen, yeah, he's good. Yeah, Chris Red has
0: a lot of good impressions, yeah.
1: Uh, and I do like the, the guys, because they always seem to be in sketches together. That, um, the two guys that play Eric and, well, they don't do it anymore, obviously. Oh, but,
0: right. And Alex Moffat and Mikey Day. Yeah,
1: I like those guys together. They're kind of funny, but, uh,
0: the weird looking. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they're like they're yeah, very goofy looking. <laughs> that's good, you know, in comedy, you don't want handsome people, you want weird looking faces. That's true. But yeah, that's Burr, a benefit in comedy.
1: When he was talking about last year, when he was hosting, like he was talking about some of these people, like he mentioned Punky Johnson. That's why it stood out for yeah. him. He's like, he's like oh, they're gonna be the next big thing. <laughs> oh. Also, Saturday Night Live needs to do a better job of picking musical guests. They need to stop going for the top 40 and actually, like, dig. Like, you know, you watch shows like Conan back in the day or Letterman, and they always had great musical bookers who would, like, really spread it out. Yeah! Where Saturday Night Live is
0: bare bottom shit of, like, the top 40. To plug a podcast, um, the Sky is Not Dead podcast, which I'm really, really big on, uh, they did an interview with a couple—not Alex Desert, but a couple of the other guys from Hepcat—and they got to do Conan back in the day. Nice. And Their big thing was like, "How did Conan's? How did they find us?" You know. And I guess Conan's head Booker at the time was really into discussing. Uh, and knew a lot of ska bands and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. So that's how they pulled up a lot of those guys, a lot of punk bands and stuff like that. And then also with Conan, because I got a musical guest every night, you get Sloan doing a show. Yeah. Just because they happened to be in New York, and it was the middle of a giant blizzard, and they needed someone. Yeah. You also get lucky breaks like that, yeah. and um, Sloan was a, uh, a a recipient of that. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think uh, Swollen Members ever got to be on one of those big late night talk no, shows. No, I tried.
1: I, I hunted for that. I was like Swollen yeah. Members Letterman, Swollen Members Conan. Like, it just doesn't come up. But
0: uh, I guess they were too late for uh, Mike Bullard then. Uh, too. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> I searched for it, oh, well. but. Uh- <laughs> Uh, but actually like even like Letterman,
1: I never appreciated Letterman cause I never like, I didn't like his comedy at the time, but like I should have just stuck around to watch the musical guests cause he always booked a lot yeah. of good, like the, he was very generous to gaslight and TV on the radio.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, I think they both got to do like these like extended sessions yeah, after like, the show was done. They just I don't put know on if, a little concept for everybody. I don't know if,
1: if that's what it was or if, if Letterman was on vacation. So they just literally did that. But either way it was, uh,
0: yeah. Well, let's uh, move ahead here. The members would next release the compilation album. Oh, and by the way, yes, I Feel Dagger Mouth is their best release. Brian needs to give it another go around in case you skipped past the SML conversation. <laughs> uh, the members' next release would be the compilation album Monsters 2 in 2011. And if you look at their Spotify page, you'll see a ton of instrumental albums uh, that were put out, as well as uh, Greatest Hits album. So if you like the beats being dropped by Rob the Viking, but you don't like the rap vocals, like. Got you covered. Uh, we aren't gonna focus too much on those tracks, however, in this episode because we got a lot of other shit to cover. Uh, I should also note that the members would appear on the track "Lost in the Music" on the Insane Clown Posse's 2012 remix album, Mikey Clark's Extra Pop Emporium, and on the falling down de- and on falling down off of Twisted's album, A New Nightmare in 2013. Twisted was another guy in the ICP bosom, if you will, the Juggalo <laughs> bosom. The ninth Swollen member's album, Beautiful Death Machine, was released on March 19th, 2013. Rob the Viking oversaw production along with C. Lance, a hip-hop artist from Massachusetts, and he'd go on to work with Madchild on some of his solo projects. Once again, the members kept the guest list to a minimum the rap duo Heavy metal kings and slain were featured on death to you a very good tune make you its you from the past itself cannibal crush you will prevail when the misguided angels matters. hell like a bat out of hell on a motorbie bike on the helmet on the road to life give him the lights of little parasites Pacific Graham got him in my sights caught in the crosshairs you're going take a loss here and uh, prevailed drops a Wilson Fisk reference on that one so <laughs> keep those comic book references coming guys Historic self-titles and apathy appear on the single Colossal Beats, which is one of my favorite songs of the album. And Snack the Ripper closes the album out with the tune Fear. Beautiful Death Machine would prove to be Swollen Member's highest charting album, reaching number three on the Canadian charts. And you got to remember, though, at this point, the charts were wonky because less people were buying albums. Yeah, and, digital. Um, exactly. They'd reach 167 on the Billboard 200, 26 on the Independent charts, and number three on the Heat Seekers charts. So they were consistently appearing on the American yeah. charts in this back half of the catalog. The album received mostly positive reviews across the board, although not quite as glowing as Daggermouth, and uh, it would get ignored by the Juno Academy that year. I feel like the Junos were kind of over Swollen members by this point. But you know what? They won, like, four Junos for rap recording of the year. They were the kings of that category. But also, the hip-hop scene in
1: the 2010s, thanks to Drake, The Weeknd, all these things, like, basically, anyone... From before that, it's just been left in the dust. You can put out something
0: good and, like, is it Drake? Is it The weekend? Is it so-and-so? Fuck yourself. Well, it was a major shift. You know, nobody thought that Toronto would become the hip-hop capital of the world, but it did. Yeah. And so, you know, just commercially, commercial always wins out over, uh, over you know, critical when it comes to award ceremony. Yeah. It just is. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough road ahead. But they had their day in the sun. Oh, yeah. Time to move over for the other cats. Uh, what did I say? I said this album was all right. Yeah. Coming off of Daggermouth, my expectations were a lot higher and has been the issue with some of their previous uh, albums. And you mentioned this earlier in the podcast about this album, Brian. There's nothing bad here, but there's not a whole lot that jumped off the page and how you said it was kind of jumbled, I think you said. Yeah. Well, also, I like I listened to this album last Sunday and
1: I couldn't get over like I could barely make out like I, I almost felt like the production toppled over the vocals i i really? I always okay. felt it's like they were drowning it out a little bit. I'm just like it's not that I couldn't make it out, but I just like it, I felt like the music took center stage and also they were I think they were getting lost in the very aggressive beats that were kind of happening mm. at that time like there's a couple of tracks I felt that were very like run the jewels ish in terms of their like over like very
0: yeah, I could see excessive
1: that. production like I love run the jewels, but it's like sometimes their beats are a little uh uh excessive.
0: Well, too okay. much. <laughs> okay. L- um, LP gets a little carried away. For tracks that I thought were good, um, I liked "Backs War and Mad Child's line, I'm the Great White Hope and he's the Black Thor. I'm referring to Prevail as the Black Thor. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a cool line. I also did the beats used in uh, The Difference. And I was a fan of Death Warrant. Yeah, um, that one was good. But we we talk about Chuffa. And this one clocked in at a tight 45. Like Parkhills always saying our podcast should be clocked <laughs> in at a tight 45. That's what this guy it's one of the shortest albums. Yeah. Yeah. But that might be an issue because you, it's over and done so quickly. You're like, "Oh, that was it?" Yeah, I mean, cuz it's weird.
1: With hip hop, there's almost like a weird fine line where it's like should should we let the song breathe a little with like a, some nice beats interluding and like, you know, uh, some hooks are like and like make it a little longer, or it should be tight in and out. And I think that's what they were going for with this.
0: I will say kudos to the Swollen members. They never fell into the hip-hop fad of skits. Yeah, I was going to say that. I can't stand. You know, you're a musician. You're not a comedian. Yeah. No skits. Yeah. Thank God they didn't do any skits. You want to be a comedian, go
1: up and do some stand-up. Like Leave it alone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't do skits. Thank you guys. I appreciate the lack of skits on this album. Well, they're too smart for that. Well also even like but like but you know the album that started the Skit Craze was Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul. That's true. And arguably they're one of the smartest hip hop groups of all time. <laughs> so it's nothing to do with intelligence. It's it's just it's a thing that some rappers wanna do. One of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. Uh, is the score by the Fugees, and that's filled with skits. One of them really racist. And one of them that's actually kind of funny, but not the racist one. This other one, <laughs> but still, you know what I mean? The uh, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a part of, it was a thing, and I'm glad it's not a thing.
1: Well, I mean, like we've talked album. about, the if you could say anything about Swollen members throughout all ten albums is they, they walk to the beat of their own drum. They don't do what all their contemporaries do. I mean, sometimes they might try to fall into a few traps here or there, but, you know, someone says, you got to put out this, we do that. And so, you know, I don't know if they ever felt pressure from the label to do a skit, but, like, maybe they just saw that, like, no, that's corny. We're not going to do that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. All right. Their tenth album was "Brand New Day," that was released June seventeenth of twenty fourteen, and again co-produced by Rob the Viking and Sealance. They brought that duo back, um, and they kept the guest list small again. DJ Makeaway appearing on Jacques Cousteau, and Jackson Pollock and DJ Revolution appearing on Supernova. I'm not sure if they just guest starred with the beats because I didn't really hear any new voices on those tracks. Yeah, um, the album again did well commercially. But this time, it did really well critically, peaking at number seven on the Canadian charts and number eight on the Heat Seekers charts. And most critics really appreciated some of the risks that Mad Child and Prevail took, as it definitely doesn't contain as much of the looming darkness yeah. as their past releases. And But they did that while not being too overly polished, like with Abby, because everyone was bitching about that. So they found this kind of, they made a happy record with it still kind of sounding like Swollen Members.
1: Yes, it was a huge depart because... You know, four out of five of these albums were very dark.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And whereas this one definitely had some light, but it still felt like a Swollen Members album.
0: Well, I got to say, I thought it was outstanding. Yeah,
1: I, I love this album. It's a great, huh. great comeback from Beautiful Death Machine. And, you know, if if Swollen Members hung it up and they just never because they haven't put out an album since 2014, if they're like, well, oh, we're good. We're we're just gonna stay solo artists and maybe we'll reunite down the line. But if they said we're done, this is a great album to end their career on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, y- you know, I put number three. I'd go Daggermouth. I'd go Balance. I'd go Brand New Day. I think would be my top three. Solo members' albums.
1: I'd probably put two out of three in that. I'd probably put. Uh, I really like Bad Dreams a lot. Okay. So I'd probably bump. Uh, I'd probably, mm, I'd come back to me. I don't know. I don't know how okay. I, how <laughs> it's,
0: it's, but, hey, 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 no pressure. Yeah. And you know what? That's a list that can always change over time That's when true. you see how much you listen to something. That's why I always say award shows, whether it's the Oscars, the Junos, whatever, they should be awarding the year 10 years prior because the real measure of how good something is, is how it holds up. Yeah right? That's true. So this year for the Oscars, they should be honoring the movies from 2011, in my opinion. Well, not only that, maybe should come up with Teddy's, Teddy's 2011 Oscars in hindsight. Maybe I should do that. Not only
1: that, like people always talk about what are the greatest comedies of all time, right? And like comedy is something that has a terrible time holding up because whether it be, you know, the style of comedy or the, the jokes because you know in a in a different era it was very like political correctness was out the window right so
0: oh you know what i've been watching or just like and this, is, this is
1: like you watch something well, like american
0: pie how raunchy it is and it's like eh, i don't really appreciate my, that anymore one of my big things that i've been watching lately that used to be i i would i would proudly wear this thing that i loved so much as one of my signature ted things okay and i haven't been able to watch in a long time sanford and son and I've gone back to watching a lot of *Saffron*. Oh, it's still recently. hilarious. Oh, it is! It is hilarious. But you understand the time frame. But holy shit! And Fred say some stuff. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing, right? People like people try to
1: pre like pro or not proactively, but like retroactively cancel these. Like we should never watch this show again. It's like you just need to. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't be saying those things now to out, out loud to people. Like, yeah. I mean, you can reference it in context. Say, I'm referencing the show. I'm not saying this word in like you know an everyday usage, yeah. but. It's like you just have to understand. It was the '70s. Like, there's that famous skit where Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor get into like it's a job interview and they get into a racial yeah. epithets back and forth. And it's like, yeah, that just shocked a lot of people. But people
0: still talk about that to this
1: day. Yeah, and, But
0: it like, yeah. it was
1: the '70s, where it's like you could
0: get away with that. And also, the whole point of some of those shows, like All in the Family, or. Um, Sanford's Son, or Chico and the Man. Yeah, They all basically had the same premise. It's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, one was black, one was uh, white, one was Latino. Uh, it was that it was a crotchety old man who's trying to be brought into the new era by uh, his younger offspring. Yeah. You know, that's basically the plot of that show. So the crotchety old man is, of course, going to be incredibly off color. Yeah. That's just how it goes. Anyway, I got lost there. Uh, where were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about Brand New Day and how good it was. Uh, one of the yeah, so I liked it because it was so upbeat, and I liked how Mad Child was again sober and yeah. again on top of his game. Um, every song stood out for me. I have two that stood out though above all the rest. Surprisingly, Cockblocker. <laughs> I was shocked that Cockblocker. Was not a bigger hit. I thought that that had like you can't play it on the radio. Sure. But in this day and age, you know, you got TikTok, you got you know, the songs that you play in uh, your Instagram vids. I thought cock, cock Blocker would have uh, would have uh, done a little bit better on the charts. Yeah. And then uh, Brand New Day, the title track, I thought easily their happiest song ever made. Well, also
1: for, for, they so uh, they made a whole movie called Blockers, You think they should have thrown the song in there?
0: Oh, I saw, I, forgot, I watched that movie, too. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. It was all right. Yeah. John Cena's kind of a funny guy. Yeah. He's really... It's, yeah. it's so weird
1: that he's taken to that role of just, That's like... Was the funny? Because... No, uh, I think it was Trainwreck. No one he's expected him to be. smart doing that.
0: Yeah. He's smart doing that. Well, because we can go on these shows, he was real charming and everything. Because yeah. at the time, they wanted to make him Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Right. But no one knew he was... So you see this good-looking, muscle-bound guy uh, talking all serious. Unless you watch wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to go shell out money to see this new guy. He had to recreate his image. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have even a known a non-wrestling art audience, and he did that. I think
1: one day I was over at your house or Jake's house or something. We were watching wrestling, and uh, I was like, who the hell is this guy in the uh, military? He's like, oh, that's John Cena. And, it, yeah. like, I, like, and then I saw him like
0: transition into movies. So I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. But he didn't like. You have to remember when you're making that transition. You, not everyone's going to have the luxury of the Rock. Yeah. Everyone knew the Rock. The Rock was at wrestling's. You know, even if you didn't know wrestling, oh, you're a wrestler. You're you're just like the Rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had that, so he could jump right into that. John Cena really couldn't. He wasn't the crossover entity yet. Right. So Dave Batista, kind of the same thing. Yeah. That was a if huge you look shot. At his, if you look at his first releases, they're all straight-to-video. Straight-to-video stuff with Ja Rule and <laughs> George St. Pierre and like weird like rappers and UFC guys. And just odd. And then he got Guardians, which is a very comedic role, and he found his footing. You know what I mean? When you're transitioning from the world of wrestling, unless you are a bigger star than anybody in the world, um, you, you really need to be humble. You know, I saw an article... Uh, when they
1: were talking about Guardians And he was so excited To get that role that James Gunn offered him that role He like went out He took acting classes And even like when yeah. in the Because you know how when people have to sit in makeup chairs For a long time Sometimes they get kind of crotchety and bitter And like annoying And it's, like, yeah. pissing and moaning Apparently like he stood the whole time While they put that uh, every day He'd st- stand Jeez. for a couple hours Taking it off Putting it on and he wouldn't bitch. Yikes. He was very nice. Apparently, he was just, like, super friendly and just, like, didn't make a huge to-do about it at all. Because that's how, just how appreciative he was.
0: Yeah. Well, you got to be humble in this world. Yeah. What's that? Kendrick Lamar's got that song, Be Humble. Yeah. Or is that Chance the Rapper? No, that's Kendrick. It's like, yeah, was Kendrick it? Sit Down, Be Humble or whatever is it Sit called? Sit Down, them? Be Humble. Yeah. yeah. That's a good good lesson for people to learn. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here by just kind of walking through what the members have been up to recently. Because, like we said, Brand New Day was their last album. Uh, Mad Child has released eight solo albums, beginning with 2012's Dope Sick, which was met with overwhelmingly critical praise. So we might have to do a uh, Mad Child solo episode of Canada have yeah. at some point. Um, and he actually released two albums this year, Shane and Shane 2. Uh, Prevail, on the other hand, would release a pair of solo EPs in 2009 and 2012. And in 2016, he launched a new group with his nephew, Corey Neff Joseph. I'm assuming that's not the same Corey Joseph used to play for the Raptors. <laughs> I don't think it is. I, I haven't seen any kind of rap career from that guy. Um, the group was called Alpha Omega. Now, Prevail, Madchild, and Rob the Viking would reunite in two thousand eight for excuse me two thousand eighteen for the single "Bank Job," and earlier uh, this year they actually released another single called uh, "Tetris," which featured Neff as kind of like the mocha only Trey nice role that right. other guy they're bringing in, and uh, just last year Prevail, Neff, and Rob the Viking would join a collective of jazz and classical musicians called Band XL. And they have one album, Opus Number 1. I listened to it. It is so much more laid back than I expected. It would almost fall into the category of chill wave. Oh, like, it is it Sounds like it's right up my alley. And it's easy going. Yeah, check it out. You might like it. I thought it was going to be like super funky. Like, I was prepared for, do you remember Galactic? Yeah. Galactic have their funk band, but they get like Charlie Tuna or other rappers yeah. to rap with them. I thought it was going to be more like that, but this is more like really laid back stuff. So you might like it if you want to check it out. Uh, and XL.
1: You know, to quickly cycle back to the, the one mad child thing, the, the Shane song.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Last week I posted a video on our Instagram, follow us, Canada FM, share, all that shit, um, where the CBC did a whole... News segment about it. I mean, it wasn't a long news segment; it's just a couple minutes. But how, yeah, the you know, music can really bring people together because that Shane fella was like—I think he was like a local booker. I
0: thought Shane was Madchild.
1: No, there was a different Shane. <laughs> his name
0: Shane? Yeah, <laughs> Shane Madchild Bunting. I assumed it was autobiographical.
1: No, there's a uh, well, so mad child like that song was autobiographical but it actually forged this connection with this other guy also named shane and oh wow basically he was a booker and like with each passing tour he he got tighter and tighter with swollen members and so to the point where he kind of got brought into the circle but anyway like showing or hearing mad mad child's Recovery process and everything—it actually caused him. It saved his life. He was almost gonna die. Oh, wow! And so, like, he he told child that, and I think that was partly what inspired that song, um, because of that. And so, the CBC, like, just check it out on our Instagram. Uh, but yeah, CBC did a whole thing, and it shows what the power of music can do in terms of helping someone. Because that's, that's the thing. Whenever you think you're going through something. You are not the only one. No matter how special you think you are, you're not. Everyone's gone through the same crap you have, and they've—if if most of them come out the other side—and if they share their story, that's how—that's um, how you get better.
0: You know, what used to help me. What's that? Back in the day, that's actually kind of where I first discovered podcasts. Yeah. So I started listening to WTF um, and a lot of Howard Stern, because I'll explain to you why. I realized. That no matter how lost I felt, or how you know bad I felt, I got nothing on a guy like Artie Lang. Yeah. You know what I mean. Or even Merritt. who was like a former co Yeah. You know what I mean. Like it, it, there are people out there who got it worse. So I would listen to their stories, and I'd, I'd feel a little bit better about yeah. myself. As sick as as sick as that is. No, it's... But podcasts podcasts would help me when I felt like directionless and aimless yeah. and stuff like well, that's, that. That's that's why I like yeah. the uh, the Honeydew
1: with Ryan Sickler. Because that's literally all about, like, his life. His mom told him, I don't want you. I'm going to take your twin brother. Jesus. When, when his parents separated, he had an older brother. Or no, sorry, younger brother and a fraternal twin. And he's like, yeah. I'm going I'm to take your twin and the younger one, and you can live with your dad. Like, So talk about feeling rejected from the age, of, age of four. God what did he do I, I don't know <laughs> I mean at the age Jesus. of four I mean even if you're a bit of a brat you know you you can you should be able to skate a little bit because uh, you're four uh, It just she's ter- clearly a terrible person but uh, he's been able to turn that into a career you know what I mean because you can laugh at the dark side of things or like how fucked up something is and come out the other side that's all that podcast is that's why when people ever talk about struggles with
0: Whatever. I'm like, you should listen to this. Puts things into perspective. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listening to other people. You know, if you're in a situation, it's always good to have someone to talk to. Okay. If you're in a situation where you can't afford it or you don't have anybody or anything, listening to other people talk about their issues can help. Yeah. Even if it's not your issues, it can still help you maybe try to learn from somebody else or something like that. It's another option that's out there. So Pete Davidson said that Kid Cudi saved his
1: life. His music.
0: Everyone finds something in something. Yeah, I mean, I've listened yeah. to
1: that first Kid Cudi album, the one in 2009. It's good. I don't yeah. hear anything that would maybe resonate with Pete Davidson's life. Well, but.
0: But, but, you know, he didn't grow up in the 2000s in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Kid you Cudi's grew from up Cleveland. in Ancaster in the 90s. No, I'm talking about Pete Davidson. Oh, yeah. You grew up in a very different time and place, so music is gonna totally, a different slate of bands is gonna speak to you.
1: That's true. You know
0: what I mean? It's it's how it goes, you know? There's kids who The Cure saved their life Yeah, in the 80s, you know? There's kids in the 90s, Marilyn Manson might have saved their life, Yeah, for all we know, as depressing as that stuff was. You know what I mean? Like, you never know where you are going to find that inspiration or that motivation to keep going. And some people, through mad child struggles with addictions and mental health probably latched onto him like the Shane cat did yeah you know what I mean we've all got that you know I want to quit radio at one point because I was getting bored of it and I started listening to Mark Maron's podcast and I was like no I want to do what he does well so I better stay with it
1: to do what he does you got to switch into like a talk radio platform but
0: oh I know I know but this is as close as I'm gonna get right now yeah. so I'll, I'll take it <laughs> You
1: know what's weird is the. Sorry, I've, I've been distracted this whole time. The way you're sitting, the the sunlight is silhouetting your head to the point where it almost looks like you've dyed your hair b- very blonde, like Bobby Hill. Like, that's what your head looks like. Really? From my perspective. There
0: you go. Yeah. But. Bobby Hill. Oh, okay. That's weird. That's probably the headphones pushing my hair back. My yeah. really crazy today. I've not showered. No, me neither. Yeah. I don't plan on it either. <laughs> See, I didn't,
1: I'm a gross pig person, so I didn't shower yesterday, so I should really shower I didn't after shower fitness. yesterday either. Oh, you're just an animal.
0: I showered Friday before work. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> no, there you go. I shower when I have to go be with people. You know, on the weekends, I don't shower wear a hat. The hat is what bottle's in the, the smell. <laughs> See, the problem is At like. At least that's always been my philosophy. You would do this in college. if you, Whenever you picked me up and we were doing something. And I was rocking a hat. The first thing you'd go would be, you didn't shower, did you? (laughs) Like, it was some big, horrible thing. I was like, no. It's the middle of the day. We're going to go wander around the mall for an hour and come back. Why would I shower? Yeah. Anyway. So, Brian, here's the big question. Yeah. Why did Swollen member commercially, yeah, they did have an underground following in the U.S. Yeah. Commercially, why did they make it bigger?
1: I don't know. I like normally I could try to tie it to something because you know they they got big enough in the uh, in the era where they could sustain themselves almost through like legacy. Like cuz you know like you you get like an Oasis band, right? They sold enough albums in the 90s that like when people stopped paying attention in the 2000s like when uh they could still sustain themselves you know, if that makes sense, like just like yep. they made tons of money in the in the late 90s, early 2000s when people still bought records and they got like they did a tour with Black Eyed Peas or they were like their opening act, like um, the Black Keys, no, Black Eyed Peas,
0: oh, Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> said the Black Keys are like, well, that's a different uh, yeah. audience. Um,
1: so like, I don't know, I got nothing. I'm like, my, my mind's going in 10 different directions. But, uh, I mean, I like to chalk it up to the state of music. And, like, with the internet, you, you know, there's so many different, air, like, styles of hip-hop. Like, uh, and people coming, like, you know, you didn't need to concentrate on these New York or L.A. pockets anymore. Uh, throughout the late 90s or early 2000s, you know, you Chicago had a scene. Atlanta had a scene. And even like beyond Atlanta, like there is another different part of the South that had its own scene. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other big pockets. Uh, the north, no, the, well, Macklemore is really the only thing that came out of the Northwest. But like, there's just pockets of hip hop all over that. Uh, right. That uh, I'm just talking myself in circles. You go. Okay. Well,
0: here's 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 what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking about the Soul Members. Okay. When they first broke Yeah Hip-hop was a genre Divided in the U.S. They're at their peak success Now in Canada Because we have the luxury Of having to play 35% CanCon And you wanting As an outlet like a munch music Wanting some of that to be hip-hop Yeah they were given the exposure right away because of that. And because they were Canadian, they didn't need somebody coming out and championing them. You know what I mean? Like, this is our guys. These are Mad Child and Prevail are our guys. They're with us. If you like me, you're going to like them. They didn't need that. In the States at that time, you kind of needed that. That's true. And so, you know, we talked about, when I first saw them, all right, white guy with a trucker hat, black guy with dreadlocks, not quite sure what to, who, what what they are yet. Are they alternative hip hop? Are they Cash Money hip hop? What are they? Right, it's hard to pin down. And then we talked about that move towards jugglos. I think that the American audience didn't have that person who stood up and said, "Hey, this is who these guys are." Because swell members didn't need that, yeah. but a lot of other audiences did. If you're with me or with them, they didn't have that. They had to try to forge their own path. They got help from. Ghostface Killer, Talib Kweli, Everlast was a huge hump to these guys. You yeah. know what I mean? But they didn't really have someone get up on a pedestal to introduce them. Like Jay-Z would always introduce people with a big track. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, they didn't really have that. So I think that that's what kind of just slowed their progression. And at the end of the day, it didn't matter. They did find a foothold in the U.S. with a small but dedicated audience. They oh, were huge in Canada. We talked about how they had their own movie, Going the Distance, which we've reviewed several times on this show. Uh th- they were always in the public eye up here. Huge up here. Sounds like they're doing really well today. Yeah. Especially Mad Child, because he was the one we're all worried about. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it's like with all these Canadian artists. You know, we sit around at the end of this podcast, we rack our brains about why American didn't didn't get them. The important thing is that Canada did, yeah, and we got to hear them, and that's what's what's important here.
1: You brought up a very good go. point because, like you know, we talked about Dug and the Slugs because they had a very, un- uh, very accessible sound, like a Huey yeah. Lewis, but they didn't have anyone to vouch for them, like uh, that where they would have take like fit into their fold, and like yeah, the other thing too is swollen members is you know sometimes people go to where the scene is to try to make those connections like you know as drake broke in the 2010s you know swollen members could have been like all right let's base operations in toronto Like us let's go across the country they didn't do that they said vancouver to la that's that's their wheelhouse and they we like it there we're not yeah like if they, if they, if they were around in the early like to mid 90s like they would have decided with nwa like <laughs> we are west coast fuck you guys probably yeah so um and they're like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that because they're uniquely their own thing. They don't need to... Yeah, that's right. They don't need to be someone's bitch. Like, it's like... Because, you know, so many people, it's like, you're only famous because of me. I made you. I
0: can break you. It's like, no, no, we did this on our own. You know what I mean? But that would... that, that But right there is the difference, though. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, the DIY mentality that's so big in punk rock and other genres isn't really a thing in rap music, at least not a thing that associates with sales. That's true. You know, you can be DIY all you want, but you're only going to have that local base that you built yourself to blow up huge. Sometimes you need a guy like a Jay-Z. I'm not saying Jay-Z would have been the right guy for them. No. Probably like most deaf would have been the right guy for them. Oh, 100%. Speaking of, actually, I've been listening to a
1: lot of that Moe's Def Tully Blackstar. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, That's
0: great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. One, two, three... (laughs) <laughs> play some of that <laughs> ah that's good shit that's good shit right you know
1: the, the last thing i'll say on the uh this before we wrap it up um you know we like to look at swollen members as it's almost like you know heart ah shucks hard luck kind of thing mad child like if you watch any youtube videos about mad child's uh going through his drug spirals he lost three million dollars. The fact that these guys made that much money, and he's been able to recover that, and he's still doing okay, like yeah. Uh, the fact that this Canadian band made that much money in the first place—it's like don't feel too bad for him. He sure, Dug and the Slugs didn't make no three million dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta remember at the time. Canadian music was ruled by those going the distance bands by Avril Lavigne and Trouble Charger and Gob and Sum 41 and the Swollen Numbers, that was the closest thing they had to a posse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's all these pop punk bands. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, there's your Swollen Numbers episode part two. Sorry it took so long to get out. That's my fault. Uh, we will trudge ahead. Actually, no, we're not going to trudge ahead. That's it. Season two's done. That's all. There ain't no more. Uh, So here's the deal. Then we'll do our season end mixtape episode. Um, Probably. uh, We might do another off topic. I don't know. But I will give you a heads up about what I have in store for season three. Brian, are you good for the unveiling? The unveiling? The unveiling of our band. Yeah, you said that three. so weird. You're like, the unveiling. Unve- oh, yeah. So there's this there's this YouTube video of this giant nerd opening a sword. <laughs> like, he's got in the mail. He's opening it up. He's like, this is the Katana unveiling. <laughs> and don't. So Alex and I used to watch it all the time. We thought it was hilarious. <laughs> he's so happy he's got his sword. <laughs> it's just really funny. All right. Here's what we got for season three. And in no particular order, because I know how things go and usually we jostle the order around, okay? Some of these will be two-parters. I don't know which ones yet. We've got, on the lineup for season three, Great Big C, Biff Naked. We're going back to the hip-hop with the Rascals. Kim Mitchell is going to be on the lineup, along with Max Webster, his old band. So that'll probably be a two-parter. Another two-parter. Propagandi and the Weaker Thens, going to visit a band that I've refused to listen to for ages. Propagandi, and I'll explain why during that episode. I have have, have a theory on why,
1: but continue.
0: Well, you know why. (laughs) We've got a band that actually Brian suggested, Chromio. We'll uh, put them together for season three. Uh, Trooper will be covered in season three, as will the Sheepdogs and one of my favorite Canadian bands of all time, Big Sugar. That's all coming up in season three of Canada FM. It was funny too, because I had a dream last night. You ever watch um Watch Mojo? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so you know they got those lists. Yeah. So I had a dream last night. I'm watching my Mo- watch mojo. And I'm like, uh, oh, let me see if we're on this list. That me thinking this in the dream. And I put it <laughs> on, and it was the best podcast episodes about music. And we had two entries on that list. We were like, number eight and number two. So we did really well. One Canada FM entry, when they introduced our podcast, Can FM, the guy said, Canada FM is hosted by Brian Last and an unknown Canadian music insider. <laughs> That's how it was introduced. So there you go. You get all the credit for it. And number, number eight one was Big Sugar. And then, like, the number two one was actually Blues Traveler, who aren't even Canadian. Yeah. So in my dream, we did a Blues Traveler episode. uh, Just because I like Blues Traveler. so weird. So, yes. Hey, in my dream, we go on, Brian, to have two of the greatest music podcast episodes of all time. And it starts with that Big Sugar one, which will be the season finale of season three. So,
1: you know, it's too bad you weren't coming down early for Christmas Like say I can't come For Christmas But I'm gonna come A week beforehand Cause actually This week coming up Gordy Johnson Is doing a one man Big sugar show In a, in a place oh. called The Bridgeworks In Hamilton Jeez It's acoustic I, well, but. We'll,
0: get in, we'll get into my I got to see a nice Acoustic Big sugar show In Perry Sound And I'll talk all About yeah. that As well as my experience Interviewing Gordy Johnson Who is like The coolest guy In the world Like even his Answering machine Sounded cool He was like <laughs> Yo, you reach Gordy Johnson, leave a message. Like, it was like, just, it sounded like, of course that's his message. It was like one of those things. What is he he
1: trying to get himself into the AMS armor?
0: You know, my brother says this about Gordy Johnson. (laughs) He always goes, Gordy Johnson's so cool, he walks into a room and every woman gets pregnant. (laughs) That's what Alex <laughs> says about Gordy Johnson. So we will cover Gordy Johnson and Big Sugar in season three, which will be like four months from now. It'll be a while. Yeah. So I'm not going to it too much. Make sure you give us a five-star review on Apple Music. Follow us on the IG. Tweedly D us on Twitter. I got nothing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, make sure you follow us on uh, Spotify. We get any, like, numbers in at the end of the year from Spotify? Anything encouraging that you'd like to report? Um, <laughs> or is this going to be the really bad third quarter where you're just like, nah, nah, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, so Not going to report the numbers.
1: <laughs> the, uh, I haven't checked the numbers in a couple of weeks, but, like, they have badges where you can earn. It's like if you have, like, oh, if, okay. you, if you publish, like, X amount of episodes, if you get... Uh, X amount of downloads you get like a badge yeah. and so like a couple of weeks back we hit like 1500 downloads okay alright like I mean for us two people have very already we have a very minuscule social media presence even just between us as individuals even coming into this like we don't come in with many followers uh, yeah. and to get
0: some of our closest friends don't listen to the show or follow it it's probably for the best <laughs> Then, then I, I, Although Campbell did say he was going to review bomb the show, which he hasn't done yet, thankfully. Uh, yeah, Campbell's all top.
1: Because <laughs> like, I guarantee you, if you said to him, "It's like, hey, Campbell, I thought you were going to review bomb the show," he's like, "Ted, I'm the busy man about town. I do not have time to be about with these with these little matters." Like, meanwhile, fast forward to what Campbell's doing. It's like sitting on the couch watching the Bills game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, so, I mean, 1,500 downloads as, like, a, you know, in the first eight months. Because we didn't even start this thing till like, March or April, right? Because we recorded a yeah, bunch of episodes. Yeah, it was spring. Yeah, yeah, so not yeah. even a full year doing this. We've hit, you know, a couple thousand, which, for us, it's a good start. And hopefully, you know, through people yeah. sharing and discussing it, maybe uh, something might catch fire and uh, might gain us some more followers. But
0: either way. I will say, you you became quite popular at my work. This week. Why? Oh, because I played that guy who you 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 called a cunt. Uh, you the clip of you calling him a cunt and he loved it and started for people.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. So Can you imagine like you the go. next
1: time I come up to Thunder Bay, if we're like you take me on a tour of your work, you're like it's like, oh this is so and so. It's like you called me a cunt. It's like Ugh. this is a knife ace <laughs> <man. laughs>
0: All right. Thanks for supporting us throughout season 2. I know the episodes there was a long gap in between them. Sorry, I had a baby, things happened, blah blah blah. Uh, we'll try to be more consistent with the uploads in season 3. But uh yeah, season 2 in the books. Books Onward like We, we made go. It. Look out for my baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That makes you laugh I don't know like, Sang- I didn't expect it It's like uh, Did you ever see well, You've seen Love Actually Where uh, Hugh Grant's going Door to door Trying to find that girl And uh, yeah. And then he's, He starts serenading The one lady With like uh, He starts singing Good King Winslet And then his yeah. His driver just has this Like really good baritone And he's just like, it's like Didn't <laughs> expect that I just didn't expect it
0: Okay well, we got a good This is another good story Well I'll end the podcast on this So in Perry Sound One year Uh, And gotta remember, Perry Sound. If you've ever gone there, especially in the summer, it's a cottage country town. So most middle of the day, you'll get like twenty drunk people walking around downtown (laughs) just because they've been drinking all day, came in to get some supplies or going back up to their cottage. Um, So there was a guy standing outside of his car, and I think he was just drinking a pop, but he's just sitting there drinking a pop. And there was this kid that was always around town, and he always like had like a speaker. Like it was almost like Flavor Flav with the gold chain. It was a speaker. But he had it around his chest. Like with the clock. Clearly like his clock it was a speaker. Like Ray and he's Ibrahim. blaring. A little bit, yeah. Radio Raheem had that, too. Well, like, he had the clock? No, but he just had a big boombox no. everywhere. I know this it wasn't was, around yeah, his okay. neck. So but. it's the same thing. He's making a lot of noise everywhere he goes. This kid. And what's that Linkin Park song? He's like, waste my time. Da, da, da. Ah, ah. I am not, I'm not a big enough Lincoln Park, Park
1: fan. You'll have to ask your brother. It was a
0: big hit. It was a big hit, that one. So he's playing that song. Crawling. And he's walking. Know. And this guy's just sitting there, drinking his pop. And then the kid passes him. Where's my <laughs> <laughs> just, And he's killing it, too. Like, he's singing it really good. Like, you could tell this guy had, like, been in some bands or something like that. It was just a cool moment of music bringing total strangers together. I don't
1: know. What happened to your microphone? It sounds like you're underwater now.
0: Well, good thing it's the end of the episode. All right. (laughs) I took a plunge, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for supporting us in season uh, two. two. And season three will be awesome. Later, skater. You say it, Classified.